I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hello to everyone joining in. Uh, this is just Saturday Morning Scrambles with uh, me. I'm Kyle, uh, Kyle F. from BroadStreetHockey.com. Uh, just going to wait a little bit to get everything started with the questions and everything until more people start joining in. But uh, good to be with you guys this morning. I think we're ready to get it going. So uh, I'm going to start with just uh, questions from Twitter. Um, if you have any questions, just uh, I'll tell you guys like when to ask them all in the chat. But uh, first, I'm just going to go through the ones on Twitter, and then I will open it up to all of you, and we can start answering those. So uh, first question comes from Christopher James on Twitter, and he asks, do you think that Hack and Hexall are on the same page when it comes to player evaluation? So... I don't think necessarily. I think that Hexall has shown clearly in the draft that he um, values a certain kind of player more than than uh, Hexall does. Hexall has shown that he prefers guys who have like a lot of high skill, uh, high potential, and Hexall has made it pretty clear during his uh, benchings of guys like Shane Gossespair, like Travis Sanheim that we just saw this past season that uh, he likes guys who are very safe, and that's something that can be fine. Like, I don't think there's any problem with, you know, liking guys who don't turn the puck over, but there is a disconnect there between uh, what Hexall sees with guys like Andrew McDonald, who they'll make, and Brandon Manning this past season, who they'll make the same mistakes that a... Travis Sandheim would make, but they wouldn't get benched as uh, Travis Sandheim would. So I think there's a bit of a disconnect there with at least between the two of them, but I don't think that Hexel is going to you know, really do much about that at the current time. Like He's shown that he's confident in Hexel, and we're just going to kind of have to deal with that at least for this season. Um, I don't... I think that... and Something with Sandheim, again, 
Hexel made it clear last season when Sandheim was getting benched that um, he wanted Sandheim to play. And, and of course, the way, only way that Sandheim was going to play is if he got sent down to the minors with the Phantoms. Because Dave was just clearly not going to play him at all. And then, of course, you know, we got to see him again towards the later part of the year and in the playoffs. But I think, again, there's a clear disconnect between those two and their uh, player evaluation. So uh, next question comes from Brett. Uh, can they fire Hack during the draft? I mean, yeah, they could. But they're, I mean, they're not going to. It's There's no way that I think Hack gets fired at least before, like, December or anything like that. Like, Hexel is going to continue to be confident in him, and he's going to... I think he's going to ride that out until, like, we see another 10-game losing streak. Like, that's the only way that I think we see uh, Hexel get fired at any point this season if it turns into what we saw last year when the Flyers were in the midst of a 10-game losing streak and the same kind of issues from uh, this past season occur in next season. I think that's the only way that he gets fired at some point, like, during the season. But I wish we could fire him during the draft at this point. Uh, I just – I don't have much confidence going in him going into this season. But there is something where I think that we need to see what he can do with a fully uh, – like, a deep roster because he really hasn't had that. That's the one thing that I will give Dave Axel is – he hasn't had a deep roster to play with. Like, he's had a very top-heavy roster with G, Jake, Simmons, Coots, all these guys. So, you know, we'll see. I, I can't imagine Haxall getting fired at any point, you know, like I said, before December. J-Powell on Twitter asks, uh, should they offer Philpola a three years or four? And should Manning get four million for four years or five million for five? Well, I mean, if you're going to go down that road, you may as well just give Manning the uh, 30 million over six years just to complete the AMAC. Uh, just to go full AMAC with it. I mean, you might as well if you're going to bring him back. But <laughs> uh, I, I'm not really that worried that Hexel's going to bring back uh, Philpa, even though he said in the exit interviews that wasn't like off the table that you know they might bring him back, but I, I can't imagine Hexall saying, "Yeah, this guy is totally better than a Misha Vorobiev," or I mean, at this point, even Morgan Frost. Like, there's if, if he does that, if he says and if he says that uh, Philpa is better than any other options that we have, basically, and just says screw it, I'll just sign him. Uh, then I start to question if Hexel uh, really has great NHL pro talent evaluation because there's no way, that, in my opinion, that they can decide to bring back Philpola and still say that they're trying to compete. Because if you're going to really try to compete, Philpola is... He needs to be, at the very most, your fourth-line center who gets, like, five, six minutes a night. He's... He just he can't do it anymore, and it's and it's sad because I think he's he has like some really good aspects of his game, because we know how he how he is with passing, like he's a really good playmaker, but he's just too slow at this point to keep up with anyone, and that's the issue that we ran into all of last season. He had that one burst where he could, you know, get the play moving, 
bringing up ice, but then as soon as he entered the offensive zone, he's done. Like, he can't continue that progress, that skating that gets him into the zone. He's just done after that. He's, you know, Dave Haxel thought of him as, like, the uh, defensively reliable center, and by his metrics last year, he just wasn't. So, and that goes, of course, into with the uh, talent evaluation with Haxel, and I don't think that he's, you know, he's at that point with, with where Haxel should be at least. Uh, next question comes from Chris. Uh, I guess we're past burner account jokes, so we are never actually past burner account jokes. Uh, those will live on forever because Brian Colangelo going to Brian Colangelo. Uh, the actual question uh, is Sandheim past the Dave Haxel rookie treatment or does he get healthy scratched for a substantial amount of time again next season? So I don't think that Sandheim is out of the woods yet. I think that Haxel is still going to be a bit of an issue. I think that Haxel is going to uh, very least give him like limited minutes at times during the year. He's not going to play him at the end of games, uh, the same kind of stuff that we saw last year. But I don't think that we're going to see something like this past season where Sandheim was literally forced to play in the AHL because they've just wouldn't play him. Uh, I don't think we're going to see something like that, but I think that for sure Sandheim is still going to feel some of the, you know, you're not a safe player, but then quotes, uh, you're not a safe player. You don't, you can't be trusted late in games, that kind of issue. But I think that Sandheim is at the very least going to get a little bit more trust from Hexel this season. And, just and solely the fact that he's not going to get benched for as much as he did last year, but um, it's 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 going to be interesting. I think that he's probably going to have someone else to, you know, be his rookie that he just doesn't give minutes to. Um, you know, Sam Moran. I don't even think Sam Moran was going to be that guy. If if Moran didn't get hurt and wasn't going to be out until February, then I don't even think he would be that kind of guy for. Axel because he's not um, he's not like Sandheim. He's a very defensive defenseman and you know he has some offensive potential but he's definitely a stay at home uh, shutdown guy or at least that's what the thinking is with him. So I don't think that he would but a guy like Phil Myers like if he makes a team out of camp he's totally going to get the um, Sandheim treatment that we saw this year. Like I Until Axel proves me, proves me wrong with that then there's no way like there's no way I can see him not getting scratched at some point for whoever, you know, whichever uh, veteran defenseman they bring in. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to sign at least one. Like there's, because they're losing Manning and I don't think that they're going to let, you know, just all these rookie defensemen come up. They're going to sign some uh, like minor league top two defenseman kind of guy who serves as like the, um, seventh defenseman or sixth when Myers comes out. So I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Sandheim's out of the woods yet, but I think he's going to at least get a little bit better treatment this year than he did last. And uh, just a reminder for the chat, um, if you have any questions, just save them for later because I'm just going through the uh, Twitter questions right now. And Facebook uh, is kind of done with this. They limit the, like, the scrolling ability, so I can't go back and see uh, old questions. So. Just if you have any, just save them for the end, and I will uh, let you guys know when to ask. Um, 
Next question comes from Ted. Uh, which player in the draft do you think would cause the biggest uproar among the fandom if he were picked? Uh, honestly, Adam Ginning might be that kind of guy because the issue with Ginning is I think he's every, – everything that I've read about him is he's outstanding defensively. Like there is nothing you really have to worry about with him defensively, but there's not much there in terms of offense it looks like. So – that might end up being the guy, but I, when you have two picks, like it's hard to really screw it up that much. Like you have to take a guy who is completely like, like way off the board. No one could have expected this guy going in the first round. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine there really being a guy like that, especially with where they are in the draft. I think there's too many mid first round talent guys who are going to be available for them and they're just not going to have to worry about it. I don't think that um, – I don't really think there's going to be that kind of a guy. I think Ginning is probably the best bet for that, uh, just in terms of the research that I've done. Uh, like, maybe Benoit Olivier uh, Gruel. He's got one of the weirdest last names to say in this draft. Uh, he's a guy who – not a really a great, like, offensive projected guy, but he – is obviously like he's probably the best defensive center out of this draft. Uh, probably right up there with Barrett Hayden, guy like that. He might be a guy if they like reach for him at 14, then I could see them. Uh, I, I could see a little bit of a adverse reaction to that. Um, but honestly, I don't really think there's too many guys in this draft who there would be like a giant like oh why did you pick him like why is this the guy over so and so so i don't really think there's too many guys like that beginning would probably be uh my best bet uh and getting's ranked see like on um iss hockey's uh draft board or draft guide for this year getting 17th but then on uh like future considerations and all that they have him ranked i think like in the 70s or something like that so it's it's a, just a giant like disconnect, I think, with some people with him because there are people who obviously valued the offensive side more, and then people value the defensive side more. So, you know, it's I don't think that people wouldn't even necessarily be that mad about getting, but out of all the guys that could be there, I think he would probably be the one that we kind of look at like, okay, probably should not have taken him at fourteen or even nineteen, honestly. All right. Uh, this one coming from Maddie. Maddie, um, who did the last uh, Saturday morning scrambles. Uh, she asks, favorite name you've come across so far in your draft research? Uh, not player, just the name. Um, the guy who actually just went uh, last on the community draft board for that I just went up today, this, this morning, uh, Bodie Wild. That's just one of the best names, I think, in this draft. Uh, there are some other ones, too. I know... Um, Jason for Broad Street Hockey did a whole list on names of the draft, and it was it's honestly one of the better articles that we've had. Like in terms of like draft stuff, just because of how funny it is. Like you see all these crazy names that are on there. Uh, yeah, I I think Bodie Wild um, is probably one of the best ones there. Grigory Denisenko is just fun to say. Like I'm just imagining imagining. Um, like with Gary Thorne, how he used to say, uh, "Oh man, um, Ruslan Fedotenko." Like I'm, I'm like reminiscing back to that, and like 
just Gary Thornton saying like Dennis Sanko is I don't know. This is one of my more favorite names of the draft in terms of that. Um, other than that, I know there's a few others that I'm forgetting, but I'm um, Alexander Alexia. That's another one. Uh, names is fun to say. Uh, he might actually be a guy who the Flyers could target, but I feel like there's going to be a little bit too more like high skill guys that are going to be available at that point. Uh, the Flyers should have kept that tank. I mean, he did end up beating us in 04 with Tampa because, you know, former Flyers just always have to beat us. It can never, it always happens every single time. Uh, trying to think of some other names that I've come across in this. Uh, Keandre Miller, that's, I, I like that name. Uh, There are some others that I'm forgetting, and I'm annoyed that I'm forgetting them right now. But um, for real, go back and look at the article that Jason put out because he has like a giant list of all these uh, crazy draft names, and it's just hilarious to read, honestly. Uh, but yeah, so another one I got uh, from this is from Craig on Twitter, and also writes for Broad Street Hockey. Uh, he was asked, uh, John Tavares, thoughts? If the Flyers can get John Tavares, I th- I mean, for one, there should be no one, and I mean absolutely no one saying that uh, Ron Hexel doesn't try to do anything in free agency, or like Ron Hexel's not actually trying to win right now. Because if he goes out and gets John Tavares, then everything changes. I mean, you are looking at a center core of Couturier, Tavares, Patrick, and whoever else you want to put as a fourth center or fourth line center, like who cares at that point? It can be, it can be Valtteri Filippo. Who cares? If we get John Tavares, it doesn't really matter. But, uh, I, I mean, there's no way, right? Like there's no way the Flyers end up with John Tavares. I, I just can't imagine it. Um, especially with Lou Lamorello and ending up in the Islanders front office. Like if that is not a, you know, we want the best, like the best player in our uh, team, and the best player that we've drafted in the past like decade, basically. Then I don't know what is. There's no way that uh, they don't go out and decide. Like, the, I just can't imagine them not bringing him back. You can't lose him for nothing either. Like that, if they don't bring him back, he's getting traded at the draft. Like, there's no other way that, and they're not going to get much form either, which is going to suck for Islanders fans, but I mean, you can't just walk, just let him walk in free agency and just say, you know, who cares? I get, we just get nothing for the best player on our team. And the only reason that fans are really even showing up at this point, I mean, I mean, Matt Barzell, I think is going to be, you know, a really good player. I mean, he already is a really good player, but I don't know if he can get to where Tavares is at this point. And, you know, Tavares is just, it's going to be interesting when we get to the draft. Like it's, I don't think that he gets traded. I think it comes down to if the Islanders just give him, you know, all the money that he wants. And if Tavares, he wants to come back because he's not, you know, an old guy, but he's getting up there where, you know, he is going to care about winning, I think more than anything else. So it's going to be interesting. And, uh, but if, if he comes to the flyers then I, we, I don't care who we draft. We could draft 
Adam Ginning 14th over. We could trade up to like the top 10 and draft Adam Ginning. I wouldn't even care. I'd be like, yeah, we got John Tavares, so does it really matter? But, uh, all right. And that is about it for the, um, for the Twitter questions. So since we're only about like 20 minutes in, uh, ask away, ask any questions that you guys have. Uh, I've been doing a lot of, uh, draft board stuff for, uh, Broad Street Hockey. So, um, if you have any questions about draft draft prospects that you would want or draft prospects draft prospects that we should be keeping an eye on, uh, feel free to ask away on that. And other than that, just if you have any thoughts about the Stanley Cup final that you want me to go over or um, thoughts on Flyers offseason in general, who you want to target in free agency, uh, any of that, just ask away. Dale Weiss for John Tavares, straight up a fair trade. I mean, might as well. <laughs> might as well see if it works. Uh, so Steve asks, uh, or not Steve, sorry. Brian asks, uh, Saran Noel. So I really like Saran Noel. I know um, there are some comparisons with him. Like ISS Hockey compared him to uh, Lawson Krause. I don't agree with that whatsoever. Like Krause was a guy who people had... Like, no, there were a lot of people who thought, like, he should probably not be going as high as he's going to be projected to. But uh, Noel, I think his skating's a lot better. I think he has a bit more of an offensive potential. I think he's still definitely a high-risk player. Like, I don't think that... Um, <coughs> I don't think that he's without risk. He's definitely a guy who's not exactly the greatest skater in the world, but I think he's, he's going to be able to hold his own at the NHL level. Uh, like Noel has, if thing is, if the Flyers trade Wayne Simmons at the draft, which isn't out of the realm of possibility at all, I think that Noel is a guy who they should definitely be targeting. Because if you trade Simmons at the draft, then and if you want to have another guy like Wayne Simmons on your hockey team, like that's a priority for you, then Noel would be that kind of a guy that you would draft. Uh, he's definitely a project. He's going to take a little bit to get here, so. You know, you kind of have to wait in that regard, but I mean, Noel, I think, has like 30 goal score potential uh, right where Simmons' spot is in the power play. He's going to be getting a lot of tip-in goals, a lot of greasy goals. Uh, I think he's got the shot to keep up at the NHL level, and I think he's pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, the main thing with him is just improving his skating, making sure that, you know, he uses his frame effectively. Um, but I really like him. I think that yeah, like um, Brian said, like uh, Noel has Blake Wheeler potential. Yeah, I think that's probably about as good as a comparison as you can make, in terms of what his ceiling would be at least, because you know his his floor would be a guy who is just a bottom six, uh, bottom six like physical guy, who chips in like maybe like fifteen goals a year or something like that. But <coughs> I think that he definitely has. Uh, like, Blake Wheeler would probably going to be his ceiling, for sure. But, uh, thank you uh, for the compliment on the poster. <laughs> uh, uh, what kind of impact players can we expect from the players the Flyers can get in the first round? Um, I don't think you're going to see anyone who makes it jump to the NHL right away. Like, I think there are guys who like Joel Farabee, who is like way ahead in terms of like hockey sense and everything. And that's why I really like him. Uh, 
Farabee's going to be a guy who, with his hockey sense and with his hockey IQ, he's going to be a guy who I think could make the jump to the NHL quicker than some, just because he's not as raw, I think, than other players like Noel. Like, Noel's a really raw prospect, but Farabee has the hockey IQ and everything that he can uh, compete, I think, at the NHL level, like, right away, just as, like, a bottom sixer. And let me just take a drink of water quick so I don't keep coughing. But uh, other than that, I don't think you're going to see anyone who really makes a jump to the NHL right away unless the Flyers decide to trade up. Like, uh, like Quinn asks with, what would it cost to get the Red Wings pick and Oliver Wallstrom? Uh, unless you're getting a guy like Oliver Wallstrom, it, there, I don't think there's any way that you see you know, the Flyers, and if, even if they make the first two picks, or make their two picks in the first round, because I don't think that it's a given that they're going to hang on to both of those picks, especially the um, 19th. Uh, I can see Hexall packaging that in terms of uh, trading down for uh, maybe like a... I know he wants to improve the penalty kill, so I wouldn't be surprised if he went out and said, oh, well, I'll go get like a bottom six penalty killer on exchange for, like, the 19th and then, like, an extra pick in, like, the second round or something. Uh, or the third, because the Flyers, I believe, it, they don't have a third-round pick this year. Uh, so I could see that happening. But I, I just can't imagine that we're really going to see a uh, impact right away from guys that we would draft in the first round. Uh, I think they're going to be good players, though. Like, Joel Farabee, I think, is going to be a guy who has, like, second line 25 goal potential, and uh, Rasmus Kupari is another guy that I like. Ty Smith, if the Flyers can get Ty Smith, that is one of these steals of the draft, in my opinion. But I don't think that he falls to 14. I just can't imagine teams pass up a guy who is as smart as Ty Smith is, who is as fast as Ty Smith Smith is. Uh, He's way too good offensively to slip. The only issue with him is just his size, and, you know, that's – that's whatever. Like you can bulk up, and he I mean he's gonna be with NA with an NHL team. Like you're gonna be fine in terms of bulking up. But so I th- I think you're gonna see decent production from whoever we get in those that 14 to 19 range, but nothing like first line potential. I think Ty Smith is like the only guy who really has like you know top D pairing or like top four kind of potential. Uh, yeah, like. There are some guys thinking later who could possibly do that, but it's you're getting you're still getting solid players, but I don't think you're going to get like you know first line talent, top two D pairing guys with the fourteenth and nineteenth pick. So uh, Howard asks, "What do you think about our goaltending? I really think Hart should stay up with the Flyers next season." Uh, I think that Neuberg cannot be our backup next year. Uh, just because it's it's not going to matter if he's our backup next year because he's just going to get hurt again, and that and that sucks to say. But until Michael Neuver can prove that he can stay healthy for an entire season and do it consistently, there's nothing that makes me believe that he's going to say that he's going to be able to hold up over the course of an 82 game season. And I mean, I know he's not going to play every game, obviously, and he's not going to. I like. I think Elliot's going to play more games, no matter. If it's Elliot, I mean, if it's Neuberg as the backup, or if it's a guy like Stolarz or Lyon, or even Carter Hart if he makes a team, but I don't, I just don't trust Neuberg to be the backup of this team. When he's good, he is 
lights out, one of the better goalies in the league when he is on his game. It's just we rarely see that. We don't, or we don't see it consistently enough. He can steal games. I mean, we saw what he did in the Washington series back in 2016. He was, without a doubt, you know, the top goalie at that time. Like, there was no way you were going to take him out. And as much of a Steve Mason fan as I was and still am, there was no way you were going to go back to Mason at that point. Neuver was, Neuver was the only reason that Capital Series even got to six. <laughs> I mean, he was the only reason even, like, he was unbelievable in that series. But sadly, I think that's that series, unfortunately, has kind of caused uh, him to still be with the team because Hexel was like, I think that went into his contract, and he was like, okay, you know, he stole us that's those two games or whatever. You know, we might as well bring him back because he, he has that kind of potential. And that's fine, but you also have to be aware that the guy can't stay healthy whatsoever. So, I, but I, as for Carter Hart, I... It's Ron Hexel. I can't see him making the NHL roster next year. Like, unless he is just, you know, far and above, way better than Lyon, uh, Stolarz, Neuvert. I mean, even Elliot. I think Lyon would have, I mean, um, Hart would have to be the absolute best goalie in camp. Like, clear, clear best goalie. There's no way you could say, you know, yeah, we said we'll just send down the NHL. Even then, I think the Flyers would have sent him down because you don't want to screw him up. Because if you take that risk and bring him to the NHL right away, you run the risk of ruining the best goalie prospect you have had uh, <laughs> in a very long time. Like, it's it's going to be tough for him to make the NHL roster. I know that's and that and I'm pretty sure he's even said like that's my goal to make the NHL roster. I'm pretty sure that was his goal last uh, training camp. And that's good. Like, yeah, it should be your goal to make the NHL roster. Like, what do you? What else are you there for? But there's, I can't envision a way that Hextall says, "Yeah, you're ready. You can, you can be our backup." And I, I just can't see it. Uh, Brian also asked, "Will Morgan Frost move to wing if he makes a team out of camp?" Um, I think he could play play at center. So, I it depends on how much he bolts up. Uh, over the course of this offseason and in training camp, because if he is, if he bolts up enough where he is like can physically like handle the wear and tear of playing center in the NHL, then I think that he could stay at center. But other than that, like if he makes a team and he doesn't bulk up to where he's like, you know, like 180, 190, something like that, or like close to 200, because I forget actually what his weight is right now, but. Frost is a guy who, like, with him, the size is definitely going to be an issue because he needs to to be, uh, you know, he's 170 right now, so if he's not, like, 190, uh, 185, something like that, I can't imagine him playing center. Because uh, I know the Flyers had issues with his, um, or not issues, but with, like, concerns about his size and his strength and everything. So... If he makes a team, he's definitely going to be a winger, I think, because I, I think they're still too worried about that. He probably won't make the team, honestly, unless he has like a Travis Konechny, uh, like a Travis Konechny uh, training camp in preseason, like a few years ago when he made the team with Proby. Uh, if he doesn't have like that kind of a training camp preseason, I don't think he makes a team. But if he does, I, I could see him probably going to wing. That. 
I would say that's probably the more likely scenario, but I don't think it's out of the question that he makes it as a center. Uh, any chance Joe Valeno or Joel Farabee drop to 14? So I think Joel Farabee has like a top 10 talent. Like I would take him over like an Evan Bouchard. Uh, and I know they're not like the same position and everything, but I would still take him just in terms of value over a guy like Bouchard. But I think that he's probably going to be there at 14. He might, I think the more likely scenario is he's taken like 11 through 13. I think it's probably where he ends up like around like 12th overall, uh, just right outside the top 10. But he could drop to 14. Like, I don't think that it's, if he does drop to 14, I won't be surprised. I'll put it like that. I think Valeno is more likely to drop to 14 than Farabee is, but that's just my opinion. Like, I think that uh, Farabee's a better player than Valeno. Um, not by a whole lot. Like, Valeno's a really good player, and I wouldn't mind the Flyers drafting him at 14, but I don't. I think that Valeno has a better chance of dropping than a guy like Farabee does. Uh, I don't get the Kupari hype. I mean, I, I understand that. I think there's definitely concerns about Kupari. He's a guy who can be really good at times, but, you know, his size is definitely an issue. Uh, I'm not sure if his game is going to translate all that well to the NHL. I think he's got a really good shot. I think he's a better um, shooter than he is a playmaker. Uh, yeah, Kupari's an interesting one. It's It's going to be a guy who I think a team that has scouted him a ridiculous amount is going to probably take a chance on him higher than he might go or might than he maybe, maybe should go. But uh, yeah, Kupari, I, I like him, but I don't know if I would take him over like a Farabee or I think Valeno and Kupari are about on like the same kind of a level. So uh, who are the Flyers win draft? Uh, <laughs> I would honestly love to see, like, I mean, like I said earlier, I would love to see them get Ty Smith, but I can't imagine him falling to 14. Uh, if he's there at 14, Ron Hextall better be up on the podium within, like, a second. Like, you do not waste any time drafting Ty Smith. Unless, like, one of the far and above, like, better prospects in the draft falls, like a Quinn Hughes or something somehow falls to 14. Unless something like that happens, you're drafting Ty Smith at 14. Like there, in my opinion, there's no way you don't draft him. Uh, he's just a fantastic defenseman. He's smart, good offensive talent, good shot, fantastic passer. Uh, really keeps his head up all the time. Like he is so aware of where the puck is going to be going, where other players are going. He sees plays develop really well. Uh, just really love his game. Uh, Simmons. So. Simmons is going to be interesting because I, we don't really know what Simmons is at this point because we don't know if he's actually regressing or if last year was just solely because of his injuries. I mean, that guy played with every injury in the book last year. Like, there was nothing that he didn't even like. He played through so many different injuries that are, like, severe. Like, they're really, like, hamper your game. And I just, I don't know if... Um, I want to trade. I, I I think I want to trade Simmons at this point, just because I don't. Because if he has a bounce back year next year, the issue is you can't trade him during the season. Because if he's having a, having a bounce back year, you're most likely in playoff contention. Like if if he's having a great year next year, and you're not in playoff contention, 
what is Claude Giroux doing? <laughs> what is Jake Voracek doing? What is Sean Couturier doing? Uh, you know, Nolan Patrick can't like wouldn't be progressing at all. The, all those things would have to be happening. Like the goaltending would have to really be bad. Like Islanders bad this Islanders bad this year. Like with Thomas Grace and uh, Yaroslav Halak, it'd have to be that bad for them to not be competing. But uh, so I would, if I'm Ron Hexel, I'm calling teams basically 24 uh, seven. You know, putting Wayne Simmons out there because you at least need to see what you can get for him. Because it's going to be tough when he gets if he has a bounce back year. You all of a sudden have to pay him a like what you thought you were going to have to uh, before this year. Um, if he has another off year this year, I think it actually might benefit the Flyers because you can limit his minutes, play him more as a bottom six guy. Uh, Frost will come up. Guys like Albe Kubel will come up. Uh, Vorobiev will come up. I mean, Vorobiev's a center, but still. You get what I mean. There's a bunch of prospects that will be coming up. So... Uh, his value is too low. I don't think his value is all that low after this season. I think that he's, because I think teams are going to look at it from the from the um, vantage point of the injuries are the reason that he was held back. That is the only reason. Like I think there are legitimate questions as to is it regression mixed with the injuries, or if it's just the injuries. Because if it's just the injuries and teams are aware that it's like or teams that believe that it's just the injuries, I think his value is fine. Like I mean, it definitely took a little bit of a hit. But they're still going to be able to get a really good haul for Wayne Simmons. Hockey, hockey people love Wayne Simmons. Like, he is everything that people want. He's gritty. He can score. Uh, he can play the power play. You know, he can do penalty killing. Him and Gaturi were amazing on the penalty kill on, in 16-17. Uh, like, they were two of the better penalty killers in the league. And, you know, hockey people just love Wayne Simmons. Like, they cannot get enough of that guy. So, I I don't think his value is too low where you're just not going to get a good haul back for him. And the issue is you might just have to trade him because you don't want to lose him for nothing. You don't want to just say, you know, you know, thanks, Wayne, but we're not even going to, you know, we just don't get nothing back for you. I, I just can't imagine Hexall doing that. He is way too good with asset management, I think, to do something like that where he just lets him go. Uh. How do you feel about Sean Noel at 19th? Yeah, I would definitely like Noel at 19th. I think I would, I wouldn't draft him at 14, but uh, 19 for sure. Yeah, I would definitely uh, kick the tires on that at the very least. Unless there's, again, there's a guy who like drops that. No, there's no way that he should have dropped. Like that's the only way that I don't even like think about Noel at 19. Uh, what are your thoughts on Akil Thomas? I have mixed feelings about Akil Thomas. <laughs> Uh, I think he's one of the. I think he has really good offensive talent, but I'm not sure if his game is going to translate well to the NHL. And I don't. There's not as much film on him as I wish there was. Uh, so it's kind of tough to get a really good read on you know how really how good of a good of a prospect that he is. But I would at 19, I would definitely. Uh, wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad about selecting Akil Thomas. I think he, and, and especially if you trade back with the 19th picks, that is something that I can definitely see Ron Hexel doing. Uh, yeah, I think that 19th pick is getting traded back. Like, that's, I think, the most like likely scenario out of that, out of what uh, Hexel could do. Um, yeah, like, Akil Thomas at 19 would be 
fine. Like, I would totally be okay with that. Again, unless there is a clear, better prospect who falls. Uh, Tom says the guy played with no legs, no legs and still scored 20. Don't really see aggression. Yeah, I I agree with that. I, I think the issue with Simmons is with uh, regression and why people are, why some people are concerned is because of this, the um, style of play that he plays. You know, he's a really physical guy. He gets, throws his body around a lot. He gets in fights. That's where the, you know, concerns of regression are. So, I mean, there might not be, we might be overreacting to Wayne Simmons completely and he might score 32 goals next year. You know what he usually scored before last year. That's totally something that I could see happening, but, you know, it's it's fair to wonder about regression with the guy who plays as hard and as physical as Simmons does. <coughs> uh, Ray asks, uh, think the Flyers get Jeff Skinner? I mean, I wouldn't... I don't think it's that likely, but I would love to see it. I would love to see Jeff Skinner be on this hockey team. Uh, I can't stand him. <laughs> I can't stand him in Carolina just because of, you know, he's, he's plays for Carolina. I never, he annoys me as a player, but I know he's the kind of guy who, as soon as he gets on your team, he's a guy that you love. Uh, same thing with a guy like Wayne Simmons. Like we love Wayne Simmons, but the other teams can't stand him because of how he plays. Skinner is a guy who is pesky. He gets under your skin. He's physical for a tiny guy. He, you know, throws a little bit of like, he's a, I don't think he's a dirty player, but he has a little bit of a, you know, edge to him where he, you know, put in that extra slash or something like that. Uh, so I would definitely love to see them get Jeff Skinner. I don't know if Carolina is going to be all that willing to go for it. Uh, I know they want grit. So, I mean, Dale Weiss for Jeff Skinner. Who says no? Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I would love for the, I would love for Hexel to kick the tires at least on Jeff Skinner. Like he should definitely be calling Carolina and seeing what they want. Uh, Brian again asks, uh, your biggest sleeper and the one prospect you think they should avoid at all costs. Uh, sleeper, honestly, I really like Jack McMain. McMain is a guy who, because because of the league that he plays in, uh, <coughs> because of the league that he plays in, he plays in like the uh, Ontario Junior Hockey League. It's one of like the really minor, minor leagues. But, uh, Corey Promden of the Athletic, I believe, was the one who's. I know someone at least said that uh, he's probably might be one of the best prospects to come out of that league. Uh, he's like six three, one ninety something. Uh, really, uh, he's a smooth skater for how big he is. I think the issue with him is can he prove that he that he can score on a top level, and not just you know beat up in the OJHL. That's that's gonna be the issue, the issue with him. But I think McBain is a guy who. Uh, would be probably my biggest sleeper. And I'm not sure if he's really a sleeper at this point because I know like a few uh, mocks and everything are starting to give him a little bit more attention, but Vitaly Kravtsov uh, from the KHL is really an intriguing guy. Like he has a, the issue with him is he has a contract with Russia, I believe. So, you know, he's, you know, he's not going to be coming over all that soon, but Kravtsov is a guy who at 19, uh, would definitely love him at 19. I know um Brad, uh, Brad from Street Hockey, uh, would the, who does all like the Phantom Phantom uh, stuff. He mentioned that Ty Smith and Kravtsov, like 14 to 19, would be his like ideal draft. And 
that is exactly how I would feel. Like if they get Ty Smith and Vitaly Kravtsov, easily, in my opinion, one of the better drafts that we've had in the past few years. Like that is that is projecting to be a really good draft, especially if you know they can kind of get Kravtsov to play. And if he like if Kravtsov shows like significant improvement over in Russia this 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 upcoming season, and he's like basically completely ready by the time that he comes to the, or by the time that his contract is up with his KHL team, that's a huge steal on 19. Uh, yeah, they announced Skinner is available. Yeah, I, I know Skinner is available. I just don't know if that, if how willing Carolina is exactly going to be to trade him. Like, there's a difference between just being available and then being like, you know, we're openly saying like, we are going to trade this guy. So I mean, and it all comes down to what what assets they have, or what assets the Flyers have that Carolina would want. So I think, and that's going to be an interesting uh, question when it comes to draft time. Uh, I, I definitely could see Skinner being traded, though. Like, I just don't know if the Flyers are going to pull the trigger on it. It all depends on how aggressive Hextall wants to be this off season, and that's something that is going to be really important for Hextall is showing the fact that he is committed to winning, because. You know, we've reached a point where Hextel needs to kind of throw caution to the wind a little bit, not go full on like Paul Holmgren and just, you know, trade every single prospect, but he needs to show that he's committed to getting this team to, uh, you know, serious contention for the playoffs year in and year out. And actually, like, competing in the playoffs and not just getting, you know, beat up by Pittsburgh in the first round. Like, that just, it can't happen again. Uh, and actually, that translates into a question that I don't think I mentioned, but Brandon asked on Twitter, uh, have we reached a point, where are we coming to a point where the fly, where we should stop being so patient with the Flyers and their aspirations to win a cup? I don't know if we should stop being so patient, because I think that Hexel has shown that he's a good enough drafter where we can be a little bit more patient than we were with, who would be with another GM. But I think we, I think it's fair at this point to say we need to start expecting more from our GM in terms of actually having the team compete. I know we want to do this right with drafting and everything, and I'm glad that Hexel is doing that. Like I'm glad that Hexel isn't just trading every single draft pick that we have and trading for Vinny, uh, signing guys like Vinny Lacavalle, and you know, pulling those kind of moves. But I think. This offseason is his most important offseason as the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, any Flyers free agent ideas? Uh, Michael Grabner is a guy who I would like them to go after. I know Hexel said he wanted PK, um, <coughs> some PK help. Grabner definitely does that. Uh, and he provides some skill to the bottom six, and he could probably play in the top six if you really, want, really wanted him to. Um, Obviously, the best thing to do with penalty kill would just be firing Ian, Ian LaPerriere, but obviously we're not getting that unless Hexel just for, like somehow you know, gives LaPerriere a different role and changes around the coaches and everything. But I feel like if he was going to do that, we would have seen it during the exit interviews and all that. So another year of Ian LaPerriere as a penalty kill coach is totally mind-blowing to me. I can't believe that he actually is allowed to stay. That's... I, I don't understand how they can look at the results since LaPerriere became the penalty kill coach and say, that's totally fine. Yeah, who cares? 
it's definitely the talent that we have on the penalty kill. Like you had, you have Katuri on the penalty kill. You have you had Simmons on the penalty kill last year, or not a it's like a sixteen seventeen. I know he was on there a lot. <clears throat> so I don't think that you can. I just don't see how he's still penalty kill coach. Uh, do you, Ray asked, do you think he will be aggressive? Uh, I I have no idea. It's Ron Hexel. He, I would lean towards no just because of what we've seen from him in the past and everything leading up to this year. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be aggressive. He should be, in my opinion. Uh, again, not like just... Paul Holmgren, all, like, oh, offer sheet would, like, uh, I can't think of who's a restricted free agent right now, but, you know, you know what I mean. Like, just going all out, giving insane contracts to guys for just because of the sake of getting that guy, making sure that you get him. But I think that he needs to, again, show that he wants to win soon. Like, Drew and Voracek aren't getting any younger. You need to get those guys at least competing for a cup consistently year in and year out. Uh, Layla asks Carlson, uh, that's another guy. Like if they get John Carlson, that's unbelievable. I, man, I, I, <laughs> I would really like Carlson, but I'm worried that he's going to require a ridiculous contract, like something that is going to hurt us in the long run, I think more than help us. But also he's, you know, he's right hand defenseman fantastic uh, offensive defenseman. He's solid defensively. He's everything they basically that you want. So I would I would love to see them get him, but I just don't want Hexall to, you know, pull a Paul Holmgren. Uh, were you happy for Ovechkin? Uh, Ted asks. Yeah, I was super happy for Ovechkin. That was, as a hockey fan, that was one of the best moments I've ever seen watching hockey. His reactions to the entire playoffs. I mean, that dude... Every time the Caps scored, it was, like, the biggest thing for him. I've, I'm so happy for that dude. Uh, he deserves it. Hockey men, old hockey men everywhere have been telling him for years, oh, you don't care enough, he doesn't back check enough, blah, blah, blah. And he finally did it. He finally won his cup, and it was just awesome. And it was made even more awesome by seeing, you know, TJ Oshie in his moment, uh, if you didn't get chills from him talking about his dad, I don't know what you're doing. Like, that was just one of the... That was an awesome moment for Oshie. Uh, I'm happy for Nicholas Backstrom. That's a guy who's not... Like, we think of Ovechkin getting the cup, but Backstrom has been there with Ovi the entire way. It's it's awesome for him, too. And Barry Trotz, like, that, he spent so many years with Nashville kind of getting the same thing that the Washington Capitals had to deal with, limiting the second round, first round, whatever... And he finally won his cup. Uh, it's awesome for him. And yeah, I, I'm, I was really happy that the Caps won the cup. Uh, excited for the Wells Fargo Center remodeling. Uh, Brian asked that. Yeah, I mean, I they definitely needs a, needed a bit of a facelift, um, especially like in the upper in the upper uh, deck, like the mezzanines. And I have went to three games this year, and two of them I, or actually just one of them was spent up in the mezzanines. Uh, yeah, like they, they've needed to kind of fix it up a little bit. So I'm glad that they're at least doing that. Uh, 
So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I, I don't get to go to enough games where it's going to be like, you know, I get to see this all the time. But yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be interested in it when I go to my first game uh, for this upcoming year. Uh, Layla asks, what would you say about trying to trade for Pecorine? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want Pecorine. I don't think that... I, I, I think that they may as well just stick with Brian Elliott and, you know, just have Alex Lyon, Anthony Stolarz as your backup. Rene's an interesting option, but I think that at this point, you may... I don't think he's... I don't trust him enough to be the starter where he, you know, plays like 50, 60 games a year. And, you know, he's like carrying the bulk load. Especially with how Ron Hexel treats goalies. I mean, that's this this guy gets like injured enough or whatever and is inconsistent enough already. Uh, we know how Dave Hexel manages his goalies where he just runs them into the ground if they're on a hot streak. Rip, rip Steve Mason's career because of that. And... Yeah, I, I don't think I would want to trade for Pecorine. I mean, it it depends on what Nashville's asking, but I don't think that would really, really want to go down that road. Um, let's say if you have guys have any more questions, uh, get them in now at like 52 minutes. I'll probably wrap it up a little bit soon, or wrap it up soon. But uh, so Elliot's problem was coming back. Kamek's on that recovered. Yeah, he was not... Yeah, he was not healthy. <laughs> I don't. I can't believe that they didn't even play Peter Morazic. Like I could not stand Peter Morazic. Like that. I'm so glad that he is probably. Yeah, there's no way he's coming back to this team. But like, you're really gonna play like a 70% Brian Elliott over Morazic? It just seemed weird to me that they just have basically said screw Morazic. We're just gonna play Elliott, even though he can barely. You know, he, you know, he's barely recovered. Like, he's not... He was not healthy for that Penguins series. Uh, what goalies will get traded with Solarts healthy? Now there's too many. <coughs> I think Neuver probably has the best... Do I really want to say Neuver has the best chance of getting traded when the guy can't stay healthy? <laughs> uh, I could see them moving Solarts just because I'm not sure if they really want to... I'm not sure how high they're how high they are on him at this point. Uh, you're not going to get any value, I think, out of Alex Lyon. And as much as I like Lyon, I don't think that he's a guy that you could really, you know, deal and get something back for other than, like, a seventh-round pick or something like that, sixth. So I'm, I'm not sure if anyone gets traded. They very well could go into the season with Elliott and Neuvert as the goalies. Like, that's just... It's what could happen, but I would hope that's not what happens, but we'll see. Uh, you got to, I mean, I think at this point you have to see what you have in Anthony Solarts. You need to get one of them out of there. Like you need to see what you have in him at the very, at the very least. Like he's been in the system since 2012. He was second round draft pick then. Like you need to see if the guy can actually be a backup at the NHL level. <clears throat> uh, in terms of star players, is Ovechkin finally winning, uh, finally winning put a lot of pressure on Giroux, that one coming from Brian. Uh, uh, that's an interesting question because I, Drew doesn't have the national attention that Ovechkin has. I mean, Drew couldn't even be a finalist for the freaking Hart Trophy when he was, when he totally should have been a finalist for the Hart Trophy. So, 
I don't think it puts a lot of pressure on him from a national standpoint, but I think in terms of maybe for him it does. But even that, I'm not sure that Drew is that kind of player where he kind of looks at that and goes, you know, geez, like, what am I doing? Like, I need to go win one, two now. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think that, you know, the national media is going to be like, oh, is Claude Drew ever going to win one? Like, is he, does he have the heart to win a Stanley Cup? Like, it's not like, like, Ovi was something completely different because Ovi was, you know, it's Ovi and Crosby, Ovi and Crosby. And the fact that Crosby has already won as many cups as he had, what, 09? So three of them. Yeah, three cups. That Ovi's one already won three cups, and Ovi hadn't won any. You know, it, it, that was a completely different different situation with him. Uh, Ted asks, do you, you see Hart getting the call up this season or next season or 2020? Uh, I would say next season. I have 2020 at the very latest is when we're going to see Carter Hart. I can't imagine it taking him that long to get taking him that long to get up here. He would have to struggle in the AHL uh, for that to happen, in my opinion. I don't, I don't think that he would take that long. I think he's way too good of a goalie. It's just goalies are so, so confusing. Like, you could be so set on a guy being the next great goalie, and then he is nothing. So but I don't think that's going to happen with Carter Hart. I think he's too good, but they're going to be cautious with him, so I would say next season is when he becomes the backup especially since uh, Elliot and Neuvert's contract end then. Uh, <laughs> trading Alex Lyon would break Steph's heart. That is 100% correct. <laughs> I, yeah, I, Alex Lyon, uh, I, I love Alex Lyon. Like, I gave him, like, an A in my player grades just because uh, he said the F word on live TV after the um, Phantoms 5 overtime when I think it was. That was awesome. Like when when you do something like that, when you pull like a Chase Utley and do something like that, oh, you have my you have my complete a- admiration forever. <clears throat> uh, so I think um, I would say if anyone has like last two questions, I'll just take two more and then wrap it up. Uh, okay, so if anyone has last two they the, that they want to get in or that I missed, then uh, feel free to go ahead. Ovechkin is a paid Manning of hockey. Finally won. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison because it was always Peyton and Tom Brady, who, just in case you're unaware, Tom Brady did drop the passes in the Super Bowl that the Philadelphia Eagles won 41-33. Just, you know, people do forget that. But, uh, yeah, that's a really good comparison. Peyton and Tom Brady were always, you know, linked. Ovechkin and Crosby are forever going to be linked. So... Uh, Brian asks, what about Felix Sandstrom? Yeah, Sandstrom is so, I, I keep forgetting that he's even a thing at this point because, because of how, you know, we have Carter Hard, we have, uh, like Alex Lyon show that he could kind of, you know, uh, hold his own at the NHL level this year. So, yeah, Felix Sandstrom is going to have to have a really good year with, in the, uh, SHL this year. Or, um, I'm actually not sure if he's going to play, I think he still has to play in, I think he's going to play in Sweden this year. So he would have to have a really good year for them to... I think they're still really high on him, but I think that he's going to need to bounce back from last year. I know he was hurt last year, so we'll see with him. But he's going to be interesting. Yeah, contract overseas. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. Uh, and this will just be the last question that I take. So Ted asks, uh, does Nolan Patrick... Does, Nolan Patrick, does he 
make the jump next season. I 100% think so. Uh, you could see in the Penguin series that he had a crazy amount of confidence with him. Like, he was getting cocky in the playoffs, and that was really fun to see. He was like, he was making plays that made him the consensus number one overall pick for almost, like, two full years. Like, he was – until he sure had that amazing uh, – year that he did with Halifax, Patrick was the consensus number one for the longest time. And I think that at the end of the year, um, he really showed why. Uh, once he had recovered from his hip and hip surgery and everything, uh, and he started to get more playing time, started getting paired with Patrick. I'm, <laughs> yeah, Nolan Patrick paired with Nolan Patrick. Uh, paired with Jake Voracek, paired with Oscar Lindblom, uh, Wayne Simmons at times. Um he really turned it on and showed that he is going to be a really good player in this league. I think that he, you know, if he does, I think like a 50 point season is what I would expect from him next year. Uh, you know, he got, I think, I think, yeah, I think for sure that he gets to 50 next year. I don't think he has like a Sean Couture kind of breakout year, but he, he has a breakout year. And I think the same thing for Travis Connect. I know that I've, Travis Konechny. I know that wasn't part of the question, but I think that Teeks and Nolan are going to have huge years. Finally healthy. Yeah, Tom. Exa- yeah, exactly. He was finally healthy, and he showed it. So uh, I think that's everything. Uh, thank you guys for hanging out, out, hanging out today. Uh, you'll see the post of this on BroadStreetHockey.com uh, in a little bit. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for interacting with the questions and everything. And uh, we'll see you next Saturday with uh, the next Saturday Morning Scrambles. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys, this is John Stolness from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to The Good Fight podcast feed.